homestay. Even before I met Yanto, I had decided he was a doggedly persistent young man. Ergo, the scene. An early morning Saturday, at home. Home was in a university town in Queensland. The telephone rings. Hello? Mrs. Lady, this is Yanto Huang, economic student at university. I wish to have homestay, please, and thank you. Oh, <laughs> Yanto, I'm sorry. We don't do homestay anymore. Yes, I think so. I come with many students in bus in February with supervisor. You have two rooms at back of very nice house in very nice garden. I not stay with you then because I have other place to go, but now I wish to stay with you. Oh, well, that's very nice, Yento. But you see, we only want Indonesian students as we wish to learn the language. We're going to Indonesia next year. I am Indonesian from Bali. Oh, I, I see. Well, look, as you know, the house is a long way from the university. There's no public transport and... I have car. Yes, but you see, we go away each holiday and... I too go away in holidays. I go to sister in Sydney in short holiday and back to Bali in long holiday. He had me cornered. The fact was that we had had many homestay students and they had not all been very successful. But this Yanto was determined. As if aware of my thoughts, I heard, I pay ahead and good eater, not fussy. I am quiet and very nice boy. Good family. Sister in Sydney with big, nice house. She give me good reference. I move in now with you. We'll clean room and thank you and goodbye. Good to his word, Yanto arrived an hour later. Introduced himself politely, moved in his things and parked his old white Mitsubishi to the side of the house. We went through some cursory exchanges of information over lunch, and then he, he excused himself. Very busy, must do paint. Then, much to our amazement, he went to his room, returning minutes later stripped to the waist in very short shorts, armed with a pot of black paint and a toothbrush. With this, he began painting the car. All afternoon, he worked slowly and steadfastly. He did the same the next morning. By early Sunday afternoon, he had a gleaming, superbly painted black sedan. We soon learnt to first respect, then like, and finally love Yento, who was all of the things he had described in himself. He was also fun-loving and easy-going, and, unlike other students we had had, had many friends. In particular, there were a group of four girls who lived in a large old Queenslander near to us, and about half a dozen of their young male friends in either homestay or rental units. Every Friday night, they would have an informal party, and Yento would eat with them. Once a month, they would all come to our place. 
and we would invite a few friends of our own to join the festivities. The students would cook, and we really had a wonderful time. One late summer evening, this all came to a horrifying end. Rani, one of the four girls, was taking a shortcut across the Central Park Friday evening. It was still reasonably early, dusk had not yet settled, and a few joggers and walkers were still set on their prescribed paths scattered throughout the park. Even so, as she walked armed with groceries for the evening meal, Rani was assaulted. She was punched, kicked and brutally beaten, with her head being repeatedly pounded against a tree. Then she was savagely raped. We understood afterwards that the battering was so bad that bits of skull and brain matter were to be found on the tree. Ronnie's screams had alerted some of the distant park goers who looked back to see her slump to the ground as her assailant ran from the park. An ambulance was called and she was immediately taken to the emergency ward in the general hospital. Later, after multiple operations to remove bone fragments from the brain, she was transferred to intensive care. We heard of all of this via telephone calls from the girls that evening and later a call from the police. The investigation was quick, intense and successful, for the attacker was quickly identified and an arrest made. This was of little consolation to the friends who, like Yanto, were at a boiling point of emotion. Sorrow, frustration, anger, it was hard to know what was the most prevalent. As if all of this was not bad enough, more was to follow. Although captured and charged, through some extraordinary legal manipulation, the man was allowed out on bail. The injustice system thrived yet again. Rani's parents came over from Bali and instigated intensive rehabilitation. Doctors and consultants worked on her case for many months before she was eventually discharged. They could do no more. But she would never walk or talk again or be able to fully regain any of her natural functions. In this pathetic state, she was sent to a nearby home for incurables. Her parents had been advised not to take her back to Indonesia for some time, if ever. The stress of air travel may prove fatal. Naturally, Yanto and friends went to visit her at the home, but they came back with some appalling news. They had witnessed another young woman in the home in a similar condition, a virtual vegetable. She too had been attacked about ten years before by the same man. The young Indonesian men were outraged. They demanded to know how such a thing could happen. They were not alone. As the press picked up on the story, the community asked the same questions. The answer came back in convoluted ways but essentially it followed the same path, loopholes in the legal system. Yanto and his male friends all now became protectors for the girls. They accompanied them everywhere, but they no longer had parties. 
and their lovely fresh innocence had vanished. A few months later, news circulated that the attacker's trial was to be held the following week. Yanto and his friends were determined to attend and demand justice. They even sought legal counsel as to what sort of charge and sentence the man may received. They were not happy with what they heard. They came back talking about more possible loopholes like diminished responsibility and temporary insanity that could give the attacker a shortened jail sentence with possibility for further parole. It turned out they needn't have worried. The man did not turn up to his trial. As a matter of fact, he went missing a day or two before he was due to attend the court. A fairly intensive police hunt was undertaken to track him down. A few days later, his body was found floating in a creek near the property he was renting. Had he fallen? Had he been pushed? No one knew the answer. But the decision was made that due to the recent heavy rains, he had probably slipped in the mud. My husband and I decided not to ask Yanto or his friends any questions. After all, as they said, they had all been together on the night the man had died, so they all had alibis. They made quite sure there were no loopholes on that score. You have been listening to Homestay, written and narrated by Brianda Cross. If you have not enjoyed this story, it just may have made you think. Thank you.